Welcome to a Friday edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, and I am here today on a Friday. It is September the 4th, the start of a long weekend. Some of us don't have to be back to work until Tuesday, so, you know, we're just going to do what we do best, and we're going to talk sports. And today, you know, I've been wanting to do this all week, and now that I have more than enough time to do it, I've been kind of toying around with the idea of doing a top 10 football players that have come out of HBCUs that were drafted in the NFL or the top 10 black athletes that have come out of HBCUs that have played in the NFL and have made their mark. But after looking at an article from Essence and looking at their list, I said, you know what, maybe I'll look at 15 because let's just face it. When you say the name HBCU, they're not known to have those college powerhouses. But the players that have come out of those programs and the impact that they have made and some have gone on to the Hall of Fame goes to show that it doesn't matter where you go, but it's what you do where you're at. So we're going to look at 15 of the best players as compiled by Essence Magazine. Starting at number 15, Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones invented the sack. As a defensive end, Jones had a knack for tackling quarterbacks behind the line of scrimmage. He called it getting a sack, and the terminology has stuck ever since in college. Jones played briefly for South Carolina State University before transferring to Mississippi Valley in 1960. That wasn't the only thing Deacon Jones was known for. Deacon Jones is also known for the head slap. Can't even begin to tell you how many helmets he probably broke because of that head slap, which later on got banned. But Deacon Jones coming in at number 15. Number 14, Steve Air McNair. McNair had the option to go to a school with a big-time college program. He decided he wanted to play quarterback, so he went to the modest Alcorn State University. McNair was star college player right away. So much so, he was drafted third overall in the 1995 draft by the then-Houston Oilers. McNair would go on to play in one of the more infamous Super Bowl games. Between the Tennessee Titans and the St. Louis Rams, McNair's story ended tragically, however. In 2009, he was shot and killed by his mistress, Sahil Kazemi, in a murder-suicide. Number 14, 
Steve McNair. Coming in at number 13, wide receiver Donald Driver will become the main weapon for two all-time great quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. He would go on to play in four Pro Bowls, Pro Bowls and win one Super Bowl in 2011 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not too shabby for someone who was drafted out of Alcorn State. Number 13, Donald Driver. Number 12, Aeneas Williams. Aeneas Williams was on his way to becoming an accountant until, as a junior at Southern University, he walked on to the football team. He never looked back. Williams would go on to have one of the more remarkable careers as a cornerback for the Phoenix, Arizona Cardinals, and the St. Louis Rams. In 2014, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Number 12, Aeneas Williams. Number 11, Robert Mathis. Robert Mathis had a distinguished career as an outside linebacker. He spent his entire 14-year career in the NFL with one team, the Indianapolis Colts. Mathis, who attended Alabama A&M, definitely overachieved, considering that he was drafted by the Colts in the fifth round of the 2003 NFL Draft. Number 11, Robert Mathis. Number 10, the voice that we have become accustomed to with his banter with Skip Bayless. Number 10, none other than Shannon Sharp. Tight end Shannon Sharp is easily Savannah State's most well-known athlete. He won Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference Player of the Year in 1987. He would go on to have a Hall of Fame career with the Denver Broncos and Baltimore Ravens. Number 10, Shannon Sharp. Number 9, Art Shell. Art Shell has had a long, distinguished career that contains many magnitudes. After graduating from University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Shell spent his career as an offensive lineman for the Raiders. In 1989, he became the NFL's first black coach, taking the job as lead man of the silver and black. Number nine, Art Shell. Number 8, Richard Dent. Hall of Fame defensive end Richard Dent was a key member of the legendary 1985 Chicago Bears team. Before he was Super Bowl shuffling his way to a Super Bowl win, he was attending Tennessee State University, graduating from the university in 1983.
Number seven, another Hall of Famer, Harry Carson. Harry Carson made nine Pro Bowls and won one Super Bowl as a member of the 1986 New York Giants. Carson also had an outstanding college career, not missing one game during four years at South Carolina State University. Number seven, Harry Carson. Number six, John Stallworth. Wide receiver John Stallworth spent his college years at Alabama A&M University, mainly because that was the only school that offered him an athletic scholarship. Stallworth would go on to have a legendary career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played a crucial role in the Super Bowl when he caught a 75-yard touchdown pass from Terry Bradshaw as painfully as I hate to have to read the rest of this, but beating the Dallas Cowboys in the process. Number six, John Stallworth. Number five, Jackie Slater. Jackie Slater was a teammate of Walter Payton at Jackson State University. Slater gone to have one of the most remarkable professional careers of all time, playing 20 years as an offensive lineman with the same team, the L.A. St. Louis Rams. Number five, Jackie Slater. Number four, Michael Strahan. During his time at Texas Southern, Michael Strahan was so dominant as a defensive end, opposing teams needed to constantly double-team him. Coaches jokingly referred to this as the Strahan rule. That dominance would follow him to the pros, where he would go on to have a Hall of Fame career as a New York Giant. Today, Strahan is still dominating his field. He is currently a Good Morning America anchor. Number four, Michael Strahan. Number three, Doug Williams. As a starting quarterback for Grambling State University, Doug Williams was named Black College Player of the Year twice. As a pro, Williams would lead the Washington Redskins to a Super Bowl victory in 1987. He dominated the game, throwing for 340 yards and four touchdowns, which was a record at the time. Number three, Doug Williams. Number two, Walter Payton. Chicago Bears legend Walter Payton, better known as Sweetness, spent four years at Jackson State University. In 1972, he broke a Southwestern Athletic conference record by rushing for seven touchdowns in one game. Also at that, he's also a Super Bowl winning running back, albeit unfortunately he did not get to score a touchdown in that Super Bowl win against the New England Patriots in which the Bears won that game 45 to 10. Number two, Walter Payton. And number one on this list.
Jerry Rice, the greatest NFL player of all time, went to an HBCU. Before Jerry Rice was breaking the all-time receiving record as a San Francisco 49er, the Hall of Fame wide receiver was a stud player at Mississippi Valley State University in 1984. Rice was clearly the main offensive threat, leading the team in touchdowns with 27. So, there you have as compiled by Essence Top 15 HBCU players. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I will have some more sports talk for you. Maybe on the HBCU level. Maybe some history. Stay tuned. A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, Anthony Smith. Welcome back. And I pulled up an article from The Undefeated. And the article goes such. If the best HBCU basketball players of all time played five on five, who'd win? It's no coincidence that three of the top 50 players in the history of the NBA have roots at historically black colleges and universities. That's because historically black colleges dating to the 1940s gave the best of the best the opportunity to shine, to play the game with a flair and flamboyance that hadn't been seen before. When the names Earl the Pearl Monroe, Willis Reed, or Sam Jones are mentioned, HBCU is sort of the first thought that comes to mind. Although the HBCU landscape has since changed, basketball, much like football in the 1960s and 70s, was a hotbed for the game's best players. Today, HBCUs are still capable of developing NBA-caliber talent. Tennessee State University's Robert Covington and Norfolk State University's Kyle O'Quinn, who played for the Philadelphia 76ers and the New York Knicks, respectively, are just two examples. Looking back over the years, there is no question that black college basketball has been very prolific. Donald Hunt, a longtime ESPN contributor who has written about sports at HBCUs for decades, put together this top 20 list of the best HBCU basketball players of all time. The list. Al Littles, six-foot guard, North Carolina, A&T, State University, 1956-1960. A great all-around player. Al Littles led North Carolina A&T State University to two Central Intercollegiate Athletic Associations, championships scoring 955 points for his career known for his ball handling and defense littles was a fifth round draft pick of the philadelphia warriors his greatest moment came 
on March the 2nd, 1962, against the New York Knicks in Hershey, Pennsylvania. That was the game Will Chamberlain scored 100 points. Adels had 17 points, shooting 8 for 8 from the field and 1 for 1 from the free throw line. And let me correct myself, it's not Al Littles, it's Al Adels. Next on the list, Dick Barnett, six foot four guard, Tennessee A and I State College, nineteen fifty five to nineteen fifty nine. Dick Barnett, who played for the legendary coach John McClendon at Tennessee A and I State College, now Tennessee State University, had a classic left handed jump shot. Tennessee State's all time leading score was three thousand two hundred nine points. Barnett, a three time little all-American, won three straight National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics NAIA titles. He had he also had a great NBA career, playing on the New York Knicks 1970 NBA championship team. Next, Zelmo Beatty, a six foot nine center, Prairie View A&M University, 1958. 1962. Zelmo Beatty had a knack for getting excellent position down low. His efforts produced 2,285 points and 1,916 rebounds in his college career. Beatty received MVP honors while leading Prairie View A&M University to the 1962 NAIA Championship. In 1962 NBA draft, he was selected number three overall by the St. Louis Hawks. He also played for the ABA's Utah Stars and his final season with the Los Angeles Lakers. Beatty was posthumously inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2016. Next on that list, we have Bobby Dandridge, a six foot six forward, Norfolk State University, 1965 1969. Bobby Dandridge was a sensational outside shooter. He averaged 32.2 points a game his senior year. As an NBA star, he won championships with the Milwaukee Bucks in 1970 and Washington Bullets in 1978. Travis Grant, 6'8 forward, Kentucky State University, 1968-1972. A flat-out scoring machine at Kentucky State University, Travis Grant set an NCAA career scoring mark for all divisions with 4,045 points. He has a career scoring average of 34.5 points a game. Marcus Haynes, six-foot guard, Langston University, 1942 to 1946. Before he was a Marvelous player with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, dazzling everybody with his ball-handling skills. Marcus Haynes was a standout college basketball player at Langston University, leading the team to an amazing 112-3 record, which included a 59-game winning streak. Next, Cleo Hill, 
of six foot one guard, Winston Salem State University, 1957 to 1961. Cleo Hill was a tremendous shooting guard, playing before Earl Monroe arrived at Winston Salem State University, where Hill scored 2,488 career points. In 1961, he was a first-round pick of the St. Louis Hawks. Sam Jones, six-foot-four guard, North Carolina College at Durham, 1951 and 1954 and 1956-57. Sam Jones was clutch, particularly at the end of games. He scored 1,770 points and grabbed 578 rebounds in his college career at North Carolina College of Durham, now North Carolina Central University. The former CIAA star who played for Hall of Fame coach John McClendon had an outstanding career with the Boston Celtics playing on 10, yes, 10 championship teams. Next up, Earl Lloyd, six foot Six forward, West Virginia State University, 1946 to 1950. Earl Lloyd, a three-time All-CIAA standout, led the 1942, led the 1947-48 West Virginia State University team to a 23-0 record to win the league title. He averaged 14 points and eight rebounds a game his senior year. His biggest acclaim is becoming the first African-American to play in the NBA on October 30, 1950. I'm going to pause here and slide in a word from my sponsor. You're listening to A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Stay tuned. I'll be back with the rest of this list. Welcome back. And next on this list, Rick Mahorn, six foot ten center, Hampton University, nineteen seventy six to nineteen eighty. On offense, Rick Mahorn did his damage in the post, averaging twenty point three points and twelve point three rebounds during his college career, which made him a three time NAIA All America at Hampton. Mahorn played eighteen years in the NBA earning an NBA title with the Isaiah Thomas-led Bad Boys Detroit Pistons. Earl the Pearl Monroe, 6'4 guard, Winston-Salem State University, 1963-1967. Earl Monroe, in 1967, led the Rams to the NCAA College Division Championship averaging 41.5 points a game that season. An NBA Hall of Famer, Monroe played for the Baltimore Bullets and the New York Knicks during his 13-year NBA career, earned the nickname The Pearl for his free-flowing, silky-smooth style of play. Monroe, who won an NBA championship in 1973 with the Knicks, played college basketball for Hall of Famer coach Clarence Big House Gaines. Next, Ronald Flip Murray, 
a six foot four guard, Shaw University, 2000 2002. Ronald Murray led Shaw University to the 2002 NCAA Division II Final Four. As a senior, he was named the Division II Player of the Year, averaging 23.5 points, 6.2 assists a game during his final season. In 2002, he was a second-round pick of the Milwaukee Bucks. Murray played 12 seasons in the NBA. Next, Charles Oakley, six foot nine center, Virginia Union University, 1981 to 1985. Charles Oakley's ability to score inside and rebound made him a standout at Virginia Union University where he is the school's all-time leading rebounder with 1,664. Oakley is third on Virginia Union's all-time scoring list with 2,379 points. And in the 1984-85 season, he led the Panthers to a CIAA crown with a 31-1 record. Oakley played 10 of his 19 NBA seasons with the New York Knicks with stinks in Chicago and Toronto. Next up, Willis Reed, six foot ten center, Grambling State University, nineteen sixty to nineteen sixty four. If you see a big man with a deft touch from fifteen to eighteen feet, think Willis Reed. A dominant inside player, Reed had the perimeter game and was a beast on the glass. Reed guided Grambling State to three Southwestern Athletic Conference titles along with an NAIA championship in 1960. Finishing a stellar collegiate career with 2,280 points and 1,851 rebounds. He played 10 NBA seasons with the New York Knicks. In 1970, he led the Knicks to an NBA crown. Leonard Truck Robinson, 6'7 forward, Tennessee State, 1970-1974. Leonard Truck Robinson was one of the early power forwards in black college basketball. He scored 2,249 points and grabbed 1,501 rebounds in his career. During his playing days with the Tigers, they were one of the top HBCU teams in the nation. Robinson played for five teams in 11 NBA seasons. Up next... Purvis Short, a six foot seven forward, Jackson State University, nineteen seventy four to nineteen seventy eight. The man with the name Short had long range on his jump shot, scoring two thousand four hundred thirty four points in his career. Purvis Short averaged twenty nine point five points a game as a senior, and was a first round pick of the Golden State Warriors. He played twelve years in the NBA. Up next. Elmore Smith, 7-foot center, Kentucky State University, 1968-1971. Elmore Smith was a magnificent rebounder. With his size and power, he took up a lot of space in the middle. He completed his college career with 1,917 rebounds. And with Travis Grant, he led Kentucky State to two NAIA championships in 1970 and 1971. He played eight seasons in the NBA. Up next, this is one of my favorites. He 
he played with the Seattle Supersonics. Donald Slick Watts, a six foot one guard, Xavier University. Xavier University, Louisiana. 1970-1973. Quick and shifty, Donald Slick Watts was a great penetrator who could get to the lane and hit the open man. He also had quick hands on defense and averaged 18 points and 3.4 assists during his career. As a senior, he tallied eight assists a game, earning NAIA All-American honors. Watts played most of his NBA career with the Seattle Supersonics. Ben Wallace, six foot nine center, Virginia Union University, nineteen ninety four to nineteen ninety six, known for his rebounding and defending. Ben Wallace helped Virginia Union University get to the Division II NCAA Final Four with a twenty eight and three record. He averaged thirteen point four points and ten rebounds a game. He took his game to the NBA, where he was a four time NBA Defensive Player. Of the year. In 2004, he led the Detroit Pistons to an NBA title. And last running out this list Marvin Webster, seven foot center, Morgan State University, 1971 to 1975. The human eraser could do just that. Block shots as one of the best players in all of college basketball. Marvin Webster led Morgan State to the NCAA Division II national title in 1974, earning Player of the Year honors. He finished his career with 1,990 points and 2,267 rebounds. He played for the Seattle Supersonics, New York Knicks, and Milwaukee Bucks during his NBA career. And if these superstars played five on five, let's see what the third lineups would possibly look like. At one guard, Earl Monroe. Another guard, Sam Jones. Then playing with three forwards, you have Bobby Dandridge, Charles Oakley, Rick Mahorn. Going up against the likes of a Dick Barnett, Cleo Hill. Then you got Purvis Short and Ben Wallace at your forwards and Willis Reed at your center. We're going to table that thought and we will come back and wrap up this next segment. You listen to A Transports Talk Podcast, Anthony Smith. Now, I threw out a starting lineup, two starting lineups. So, it goes, imagine a starting lineup of Monroe, Jones, Bobby Dandridge, Charles Oakley, and Rick Mahorn. Facing a squad led by Dick Barnett, Cleo Hill, Purvis Short, Ben Wallace, and Willis Reed. Question is, would a backcourt of Monroe and Jones be too much to handle for a backline of Willis Reed? Well, 
Bobby Lewis, a former All-American at South Carolina State University, who played for the Bulldog team from 1964 to 68, had this to say. He said, I have to go with Earl Monroe's team. That's Sam Jones and Earl Monroe. That's pretty hard to beat in the backcourt. Sam was a tremendous defensive player. People knew Sam for his bank shots, but he could really play defense. Then Larry Stewart, who played for the legendary head coach Ron Fang Mitchell at Coppin State University. Stewart was a two-time Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Player of the Year. He led the Eagles to the NCAA tournament in 1991. He also played for the Washington Bullets, now Wizards, and the Seattle Supersonics during his NBA career. He said, I have to go with Bobby Dandridge's team, says Stewart, who is now an assistant basketball coach at Morgan State. He says, I can't go against him. He was a great player at North, Norfolk State. Says, I got to know him when I played for the Bullets. He could really shoot. This team also has Earl Monroe and Rick Mahorn. Dave Riddick, a CIAA standout during his playing days at Maryland State University, now University of Maryland Eastern Shore, leans toward the second team. He says, I think they have more talent in the middle with Willis Reed and two fabulous guards with Dick Barnett and Cleo Hill, said Riddick, who played for the Hawks from 1957 to 1961. Dick had that jump shot, had that jump shot, fall back, baby. Wallace was a tough rebounder. Short was an all-around forward and could shoot too. Dominique Stevens was a star on North Carolina Central University's 1989 NCAA Division II National Championship team. Stevens looked at both teams and couldn't select a winner. He says, I would just have to watch them play, Stephen said. There is so much talent on both teams. You would have to sit back and enjoy it. So there you have some segments today dedicated to HBCUs, players that you might have forgotten even existed. Hopefully, I brought it back to your remembrance today whether they're from the NFL, whether they were college football players that went on to the NFL, or whether they were college players that played basketball that went to the NBA. You can see the contributions they made on the court, in the record books, and then on to the next level. Which is why I am kind of elated now, because in this day and era, we actually have a five-star athlete going to a Howard University. And we just hope that those doors will open up even more so and that others will follow suit and get HBCU schools the spotlight they so rightly deserve and the exposure. This is A. Smith. This is A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. 
hopefully sometime between now and tomorrow, I hope to have guests on. But in the meantime, enjoy the weekend. It's a Labor Day weekend. Get out and enjoy yourself. Stay safe. Have a blessed weekend.